Welcome to the Ultra Running and Business Podcast, a random mix of running, people, performance, and business content. I'm Jakob, your host, and this is the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. In the green room, we have Torben Nordelklausen. And uh, really what prompted this was I spotted an article in uh, Börsen, which is the Danish equivalent to the FT. Um, and this article is broadly about a an organization in growth mode, but it's also broadly about an organization that is basing its very foundation on a shareholder model, which uh, I believe is 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 a little uh, is a little new for power traders. Certainly, it's uh, it's not necessarily new to independent commodity traders. But the distinct aim of this organization is uh, is to is to create uh, shareholders rather than employees, and to aim for an IPO. I will get into the weeds with Torben. I think uh, let's let's uh, let's bring Torben out from the green room, and um, and and he can tell us much more about it. Torben. A good afternoon to you, and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Jakob. Pleasure to be on your show. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Like Tom, let's let's start with uh, a nutshell about what the MFT shareholder model is about and how it differs from a conventional uh, power trading setup. Yeah, well, we did. Uh when we founded the company, we had a extremely deep desire uh, to make everyone partners, to ensure that everyone had a personal journey, but also a financial journey with us. So in order to achieve that, uh, we developed two models. Uh, so everyone has the opportunity to become a partner and owner. And the first model is a model that target entrepreneurs in the market, meaning that people that have a special talent, uh, very good at doing business in one segment in the in the power or gas market. Basically, what we do is that we create a company and instantly the team that joins us gets shares, so they are partners from the first day. And then they join the MFT platform, meaning that we have developed a platform so they can plug and play into the finance, the legal side, the treasury, the risk management, uh, the leadership, uh, market access. So the team of entrepreneurs, they can really focus on what they really enjoy. And that's doing business in their niche market. They don't have to think about all the administration that is taken care of. So that is the first model. And the second model is for people that uh, actually deliver the platform. So that is people uh, working in, in finance or support. And that model is that we, when people get on board, get employed, then we set up targets once they have reached the targets, uh, we they come into a, you can call it a partner committee, where we decide have, have targets actually been reached and have they lived up to the value of the company. And uh, once that is decided, they have opportunity to, to become shareholder also. And hereby, everyone, either you, are, you have talent in the business or you have talent in the support, everyone has the opportunity to become partner. So that is, that is basically the two models that we are operating with. Understood. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've you've uh, you you kind of uh, answered the second question I had a re- was really around sort of the how, how the how and the who. But let me ask you how the idea came about in the first place. Is it is it your brainchild or, or where did the where did the shareholder model come from as a concept? It's it's a it's a deep desire in the leadership, uh, and it's a it's a recognition that building a company is not a one man show. 
it's a team show. It's it's everyone's effort to build a company. So this is a deep uh, belief that we have in leadership in MFT. And we also have this deep belief that, you know, once we become sex successful, we also want to share the success. It, it, what's the point of, you know, you as an owner uh, getting the whole cake when, you know, we rather would have a, a big party down the road where we can share the whole cake with, with everyone. So this is, this is a really a deep desire and recognition that building a company is a team effort. That's why we have done this. Torben, you've you've um, you've led other companies. Uh, you've you've led uh, a, a few, in fact. You've also in, been an investor in a number of initiatives, and you've also been a coach of a number of startups. I'm, I'm keen to understand a little bit about your own philosophies around um, well, the article in Burson highlights. You know, transparency, communication, fairness. Highly relative terms. Uh, I think depending on who you ask, uh, I want to understand your where you sit on the on 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 these philosophies. What's so? Let's make let, let let's start with transparency. What does that mean to you? Well, the thing is, let's, if you base transparency on 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 our model, it means for us that that we are completely honest and completely open about every single detail uh, in our model. Uh, meaning that you know, if you want to create a partnership model, you should deeply, deeply mean it, and then you shouldn't hide anything. So transparency for us is that we take, uh, you can say we take each uh, employee and explain into every single detail what is the model about, being completely open and honest, what can go good, you know, what if, if things go as well, what is uh, your upside? And also on the other side, if things does not go as planned, what is your risk? So that that is transparency. If you want to build a partnership, you should be, you should mean it hundred percent. That means also you should be open. Don't hide anything. In that way, you know the the partner also feels that you're on the same team. So that that is transparency. And that I mean, many of many of the points you just mentioned just sort of dovetails onto the communication piece, um, yeah. which uh, which you've highlighted around uh, um, around achieving transparency. I guess is is is, is through the communication piece. Um, uh, before moving on to fairness, which uh, can mean a lot of things, I mean not just not just reward. How would um, do you see a, do you see a real a real distinction in terms of the importance of 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 those those fundamental pillars, transparency, communication, and fairness in in your shareholder model compared to a conventional model? I mean, are they not the same qualities that we're looking for in a leadership or in a culture, or are there yeah. distinctions? I think I think um, in respect of of for instance uh, being transparent and being fair, uh, that should also be reflected, um, you know, in in for instance the legal document. Because if you want to be fair again, this is something you should mean. So, uh, the, the, what we have done is to create a um, a very fair model. So you know exactly what terms you get in. Uh, you also know exactly the terms if you want to leave. Uh, what terms are you leaving? And the fairness is also, uh, we will also reward you in the in respect of the amount of value you have created while you've been on board. So again, w- when you do this, you should do it by heart. Uh, so you, the, the employees and partners completely understand you. And also when you go through the legal documents, you can also see it is fair. So we have spent a lot of time uh, on, on the legal side. And, and some of our lawyers actually said to us that, you know, even... You know, our bad lever uh, is 
might even be a good lever in, in, in other companies. So we have done a lot to, to make it you know, really, really fair for, for everyone. Let's talk about culture and cultural differences between uh, what you are driving at, at, at MFT Energy versus what you've seen in other organizations. Is there, um, are, are you feeling a distinct difference in terms of the internal culture uh, now that you've made, well, according to the article, this may have changed since, but 37 out of 61 of the employees are shareholders. Tell me, tell me what, what you have noticed in terms of cultural differences by implementing that shareholdership. Yeah. I think when, when you become a partner, you feel different. You feel that, you know, you take a bigger responsibility to raise your hand if something is wrong or you raise your hands when you have good ideas. And it's also, you know, challenging to be a leader when you have uh, 37 partners because they ask questions. They challenge you. And in that way, we as leadership also become better uh, because we are challenged by all the brains in the company. So, so I feel that, you know, everyone takes their job more seriously and everyone really strives to build a company that we can all be proud of the day when, you know, the day comes when we actually will open the doors for other investors. You know, I've, I've while, you know, the few times we have could be in the office, I've overheard conversations from some of the team saying, "Well, we cannot really, uh, we cannot really file this document because this is not good enough for you know when when we do the IPO." Meaning that everyone understands the journey we are on and and takes it very seriously. So I overall, I think you know, apart from being more motivated, people also you know challenge. They come with more ideas, which is good for everyone. I get that. Um, let's talk about. What happens then is you've got a shareholder who is asking questions, challenging uh, his or her leader, all good. Yeah. We, we like yeah. that. But um, what happens if it's somebody that's, that's just an opinionated underperformer or some other unattractive corporate member, but happens to be a shareholder? How do you manage that? How do you, how do you, how do you go into appraisals when you are appraising mm-hmm. a shareholder and you actually you, you, want, you want the shareholdership agenda mm-hmm. to be left behind and say, let's, let's just talk performance. Let's just talk about whether you are actually, you know, whether you're a good contributor, whether you're a toxic colleague that we need to get rid of, or you're underperforming. Uh, what, do, what can you share with us there in terms of some of the challenges that you've had? I think, first of all, it's important to split the two things. I mean, one thing is your shareholder, your shareholder. And the second thing is that you're an employee. And those two things are completely different. So in everyday life in the company, this is not mixed. I mean, you can, you can have your shareholder head on and the other, you know, you can have your employee head on. But when you work in MFT, it's very important that, you know, you live by our values and perform as a colleague. And uh, you will be pra- appraisal, you know, appraised as a colleague and as an employee, no matter how many shares you have. It's the same rules for everyone. So, so we don't say, you know, because you have these many shares, you have this kind of say. It doesn't matter. A shareholder is something where you discuss, where you have shareholder meetings. But in everyday life, um, you know, you have to live up to the values and be a good colleague and good good partner. So it's, it's, it's two different things that we are distinguishing very much about. Understood. Okay. Uh, that was only one of the potential sort of uh, challenges that I sort of could think of. Um, yeah. you're, no, you're now sort of uh, comfortably beyond the honeymoon period in running this as a concept. 
Uh, and it's easy for us to sit with rose-tinted glasses on and say, oh, do, do, do traders like to get a share of their P&L? Tick. Do they like to have a part of the company? Tick. Would they like their cake and eat it any day of the week? Uh, so um, let's talk about challenges. Let's talk about pitfalls uh, and, and how you've navigated those in, in the journey so far. Of course, as you say, honeymoon is always a, a happy time. Um, and then after some time, you know, you can you can run into challenges. And that's the same same in the company. You, you know, as long as as we're performing well, as we, as we do at the moment, you know, everybody are happy. But of course, uh, the downside on, on this model is if we start to performing badly, lose money, uh, market are not there. Um, of course, then then uh, the, the, the motivation uh, could be challenged, you know, could uh, uh, be eroded. Uh, so, of course, you know, uh, a longer period of time where the company doesn't perform will, of course, challenge this model because as an, a partner employee, you can say, what, what are the shares worth then? Uh, you know, there's no financial upside. Um, uh, but I, I believe that, you know, uh, true partners also find a, a solution on this. And so, we, you know, we can fight together, uh, getting back, back on track for, for whatever reason it is that we are not performing. But of course, that is that is the biggest uh, pitfall, as you say, uh, on this model is if you as a company do not perform. And you can also say uh, if the situation should come that we needed to, for instance, uh, deploy more money as shareholders, uh, that can also be a, a challenge because uh, it's not possible maybe that all uh, all employees can contribute with extra cash. So that, you know, bad performance is the biggest uh, pitfall for, for this model. Understood. Understood. So, bearing in mind that I'm sure there are a number of your shareholders that have um, that have decided to join uh, our live session today, okay. tell me about the IPO aim. Is it on track, Torben? Very much. Um, what what we did what we did last year was that we built a a three year plan um, to be ready for for the IPO. And last year we called it a building the base. That's where we built the foundation of MFT taking care of, of finance, the legal, the treasury, the risk, uh, the market access, building the leadership, software, IT, all the things that are essential for, for running a company. That was taken care of last year. And of course, there was a, a lot of changes going on. Um, and a lot of these changes, will be, they will settle down uh, during this year. Um, and what we also did last year was we employed a lot of uh, people. Um, so now we have... Um, very strong teams starting uh, the first of Jan, so that you know they had we have the right people on 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 each position. So this year is called growth year. So this year is really about growing as much as we can, and we had a, a, a very very good start this year. And then next year is the IPO year. That's where we finalize everything. That's where we paint the house, uh, preparing everything so it looks nice, and we will start the process of of uh, the IPO, which will then be in in in, in two years time. So overall, overall, we are, we are, we are, so to say, we are more or less ready for an IPO. Uh, we will just spend some time uh, to mature the organization, to mature the business, to grow the business, and and then you know, in two years' time, we will start approaching uh, the IPO and, and 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 do that. And also, I think it's also important for me to emphasize that IPO is not the the goal for us. Um, the IPO is a stepstone for us because the longer perspective for our company is to become the best uh, global trader within energy, uh, gas, and power. So this is this is like the goal we are aiming for, and the IPO is a tool for us to get there. 
and it's a tool for us also for you know financially but also for everyone that are partners and 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 working in the company because it's a way that you as a person can grow significantly there's yeah. so many things you can learn in this process so so strategy is a place we are we are ready uh, uh, getting more ready every day yeah uh, and then when we feel you know that we are there then we're going external for the IPO yeah okay no that's clear uh, IPO is, is just is, is part of the roadmap not not uh, not not a name in itself I, I I get that um at what point do you feel that um or maybe you already have proof of concept but at what point can we start talking about uh, an asset test whether th- whether this model ha- has succeeded over and above a more conventional should we say or who's uh, model um you know as you said you're as we all know you're not you're not the only firm on the street um so there should be plenty of opportunity to contrast and compare uh, at what point can we can we get you back on the show and ask you to bring your uh, your your homework and we do a proper asset test when when do you feel that you could look at that and and genuinely compare it to to should we say a more traditional setup well if if it if it goes well i come back otherwise you will not hear from me that's the first thing <laughs> but uh, i think i think you know it you cannot really say one model is better than the other i think i think both models can work fine um, you know, you can you can, you can have a, a partnership model, and you can also have a conventional model. Yeah. But I think the the, the biggest difference is the feeling it creates for everyone, because you can have a conventional model, and then a few people can make a you know make a lot of money. But our model has a different purpose. We don't measure our success only financially. We also measure it in respect of you know you say you, the motivation that we create, that we are able to uh, empower all the talents to become. You know, become the best they can be. So, so for us, it's not only the financial. It, it's most important for us is actually the personal growth journey that we are able to offer uh, people. And that's also, you know, that's also for me as a leader and and uh, my colleague in leadership. That's that our great. That is our greatest motivation. That is actually when we can we can help our talents to succeed. So for us, you know, if you measure financially, both models, uh, you know. Is is there's not so many differences. The thing is that we share of financial success, uh, and that's that's really what uh, you know what motivates us also. Clear, clear. What what are the challenges for you as a leader for a for a, a setup like that? Because it differs somewhat from the types of energy businesses you've led before. How you've had to adjust? Mm, I I don't think I I had to. Uh, I had to adjust so much, and I don't think leadership has to adjust so much. I think, I think one of the challenges is is what we talked about before is that the mix of having uh, partners that are both employees and also shareholders. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so even though we, I said before very clearly, we we try to split it. You know, in reality, sometimes it it, it is mixed. So, so we just have to to help ourselves, everyone. That you know, now we talk employees talk, or now we talk uh, shareholder talk. So I think that is that there's a little bit blurry thing there uh, that we organization have to work with. Um, so I think that is that is one of the things that we have to adjust, uh, you know, in everyday business. Torben, uh, I'm going to say thank you very much for for your time, uh, for your insights from all of us here in the studio. We uh, we wish you and uh, and your colleagues every bit of success. 
That's it for this week. This was the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. I hope to see you back next week for more randoms around running, people, performance, and business content. I'm Jakob, your host, and this was the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. For more information about everything that goes on here in this business, you may want to follow me on LinkedIn. For anything that goes on in my world on the trails and in ultra running, you may want to jump onto Instagram and follow the Danish Ultra Runner. Thank you again. Bye-bye.